and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Well, good evening, folks. Uh, really t- good to be with you. Hello to all of you in my own home gathering this evening. I may or may not be sitting with you, because that, that would be weird. Um, but uh, yeah, just want a big shout out, whether you're in a home gathering tonight, whether you're on your own at home, um, wh- wherever you're watching this from. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Rob, uh, and together with Bonnie, um, my wife, we have the privilege of um, overseeing Northridge as senior pastors. Um, and, you know, we've, we've so longed to be together. Um, it's just been on our hearts to be able to see you. Uh, so it's been lovely to see some of you at our own home, but to see all of you hopefully soon. Um, we're so looking forward to that. Over the last, um, oh, how long has it been? Maybe five, six weeks. We've been doing a series looking at the life of Paul. And uh, we're going to carry on that series this evening over the next couple of weeks. Um, and we're going to be looking at Acts 16. But before that, uh, I want to just tell you about a time that uh, I had up in the Marawari Nation uh, with Chris not that long ago now. It was about four months ago that we travelled up there um, along with Harry McKenzie and uh, had a look at some of the work that Raw was, uh, is beginning to do up there. And it, I don't know if I've told this story before, if I have, apologies. But there was a particular conversation that has really stuck in my mind. And uh, it was when we were getting to know some of the Aboriginal elders that were joining us on that trip. There were three of them. And uh, uh, one of them, uh, let's call him Pete, um, he uh, sat with me and we started to talk just a little bit about our different stories. But he very quickly started to ask me, Um, some questions I didn't really understand. And the question he asked me was this, what's your flow, brother? What's your flow? And it took me a little while to sit there and go, what on earth is he talking about? What's your flow? I wonder what you would have said. And I looked to the other Aboriginal guys around us and uh, and I said to them, like, kind of like looked at them as if to say, help! Like, what on earth does he mean? But they didn't help me out. They just laughed at me. And after a while of, you know, that embarrassing kind of like, I'm sorry, I don't really understand. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I really don't understand this. I feel terrible asking you again, but I don't understand. Eventually, he explained to me that um, what he meant was that we all have a river. Uh, and that river is maybe the waterways in which we've grown up in or a body of water that we really associate with and that each of our rivers flow into each other. Eventually they all flow into that great ocean um, and we are all one, uh, even though we come from lots of different rivers all around the world. Um, It was a pretty cool picture and uh, it took me a while to get my head around because honestly I didn't really connect with a particular body of water. Um, But you know what? What was interesting about that conversation? I had to hear his story 
in order to understand his question. And as we're spending this time looking at Paul's life, one of the reasons that we're doing that is we want, we want to understand Paul's story. We want to understand Paul and the world in which he lived better so that we can actually grasp the teachings, the questions, um, even the good news better. And our hope and our prayer is that we, in turn, will be able to ground the word, the, the good news, into our lives in a way that will transform our stories and our world. But it's very important that we, in order to do that, that we grasp something of where Paul is coming from. So that's what we've been um, looking at the life of Paul's uh, life of Paul for. So the passage that we're going to look at today is from Acts 16. And to help introduce that, I'm going to show you a brief uh, video that we, uh, we've been using these sorts of videos a bit in the morning community and we've been loving uh, the way that they're told. So I just want to give you a quick overview uh, in this video. Slapstick Theatre. Paul and Silas. This is Paul. Hey! who told people about Jesus in lots of different places. One day, Paul was walking with his friend Silas. Hey, yo! They were being followed by a girl who was controlled by an evil spirit. Her owners used her to make money. After days and days of this happening, Paul got so annoyed that he turned around and told the evil spirit to leave her. So the girl was freed. But her owners got mad at Paul and Silas because they wouldn't make any money off of her anymore. And they had them thrown in jail. The jailer locked them up. Oh, man. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, and the chains of all the prisoners fell off. Oh, what just happened? But Paul and Silas didn't leave, even though they could have. Several people decided to follow Jesus that night, including the jailer and his whole family. And the next morning, they were released from jail, and the city officials even apologized to them. Sorry about that. Paul and Silas encouraged the Christians in the town, and they continued on their mission to tell people about Jesus. See ya! All right, so I'm hoping that that was helpful um, because the passage we're looking at, Acts 16, uh, verses 16 to 40, is quite a long passage, and um, I'd rather not read it all through. So what I want you to do is just have your Bible open in front of you, and we'll have a quick look at some of this. Now, obviously, one of the key characters in this story, in this passage, is Paul, Paul and Silas, together with probably Luke, um, and the, the storyteller and maybe some other companions. And, you know, one of the things that stands out, doesn't it, from the passage the most is that, you know, that although they are treated, treated terribly, they're uh, stripped and beaten with rods. Um, the, the word says that they were flubbed thoroughly and then thrown into prison. And uh, even though... All of that's happened to them. When we see them in prison, they don't act like they're in jail. They're there singing away, probably singing the Psalms. 
Um, they are worshipping God, they're praying, they're full of joy. I love how we hear the little detail that all the other prisoners were listening to them. And, um, you know, then there is this moment where the power of God comes and through an earthquake, it shakes the doors off the hinges, like it releases them. I wonder if the shackles actually popped off because of the power of God. I wonder how that worked. But what we know is that uh, Paul and Silas are free and yet they sit there still in their cells. They don't get up and run out, but they are completely free right in the midst of that prison. I think one of the, I could say one of the most amazing things is the way in which they choose to worship. And, you know, I think there is such a picture, such an encouragement for us, especially maybe for you today, if you know that what you're going through is a real, um, feels like a prison for you. Perhaps you're in circumstances in which you feel trapped. You're waiting for God to come and bring freedom or a change in those circumstances. And I want to encourage you, I think this is such a picture for us, that worship is actually one of the key ways that we're encouraged to bring heaven into earth, to declare the kingdom reality that is in heaven and to declare that on earth. And, uh, and to actually, you know, if you think about what happens in this passage, Paul and Silas are singing about, probably about God's deliverance, they're singing about how God is faithful, how God will free them, all of those things, and then God does. They're singing about God's power, and then God shows his power. So there is a, there is a declaring into the physical what is true, in the kingdom that they're doing as they worship. And that's what we're doing when we worship. So I want to encourage you this morning, maybe for some of you know, that's actually one of the first things you need to be doing is worshiping and declaring the goodness of God. But more than just what happens with Paul and Silas, there's actually um, there are a couple of other key characters in this passage who you could say were in prison. One of them um, that we meet is the slave girl. We're not told her name, unfortunately, um, but we're told that she had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by uh, telling the fortunes. And, uh, you know, we, we can understand from that, can't we, that the, that the evil spirit that um, bound her was in many ways her prison. She probably um, was involved in some kind of occult practices with the pagan religions of the time. Um, but on top of that, like many women today, she was being extorted by powerful men. Um, and so she was imprisoned. She was not able to um, be free. And she followed Paul and Silas shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God. And so Paul turns around, speaks to the spirit and says to it um, to, to leave her in the name of Jesus. And I love that, that detail there. It's the powerful name of Jesus that sets her free at that very moment. Because it's the powerful name of Jesus that sets us free from the prisons that we find ourselves in, from the things that we feel enslaved to. And fundamentally, in this moment, she is no longer under the authority of that dark, uh, that darkness, of that evil spirit. 
So that's someone who is imprisoned in this passage and set free. The other person that's in prison uh, is a bit subtler, and that is the jailer. Uh, you, if you look through uh, the scripture, you'll see that um, a bit later on, the jailer actually brings them to his house, and yet they never leave the prison. Because come morning, there they are in their cells. And so what I think is going on here is that actually the jailer and his family live effectively in the prison. They're attached to the prison. So he's, uh, Paul is never sort of free from prison until the magistrates come the next morning. But um, they still spend time in the jailer. And so the jailer himself is in a prison. He lives literally in the prison. And on top of that, he is under the authority of the magistrates. And it's in response to this power of God that the jailer has this complete change of heart. He sees what God does as Paul and Silas are worshipping. And uh, he just has this complete change of heart. And, I, and this is a really helpful detail. Paul says to him, Believe in Jesus as Lord. You know, he says to him, it's time to switch your allegiance. It's time to take on a new master. And so that word Lord, Lord is master. You know, it's, it's about authority, about having a new authority. And so he does. And what happens? He invites uh, it's this beautiful picture where he cleans Paul and Silas's wounds, he feeds them, he brings them to his table, he introduces them to his children and to his, his wife, and together as a whole household, they come and turn to the Lord and are baptised, and they're filled with a great joy. And, um, you know, so that once again we see this picture of somebody coming from captivity into freedom. And as a whole, this passage is, just, is not just about Paul and Silas, it's actually about captivity and freedom, um, kind of the big picture of that, and what's going on here. Now, we've become very familiar, haven't we, over the last little while, with the concept of freedom. Um, often it's about what are we allowed to do this week? Certainly as we are um, starting to meet again in different ways of church, I feel like every week we're looking through the rules and going, what can we do this week? Do, you know, do I, can I shake hands now? Um, can I take my mask off yet? Uh, when can I sing? What can we do? And that has become such a commonplace, regular thing for us in these days that the whole concept of freedom is, has become about those rules and what am I allowed to do and what am I not allowed to do? Interestingly, in Paul's letters, the idea of freedom comes up again and again. It's probably one of his most common themes. I think at about 40 different times through Paul's letters, Paul talking about freedom and free. And it's something that he's passionate about. And yet really interesting, uh, alongside that, five different times in Paul's letters, we read that Paul describes himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. There's in particular, um, Ephesians 3 says this, For this reason, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles. And yet he, he, he couldn't be more free, could he, as a person? 
So what's going on? Now maybe there's a couple of things. Maybe he's in prison so often, <clears throat> it's almost a bit of a running joke. You know, <clears throat> he's, um, he's writing so many of these letters from prison, he's probably just got used to saying, well, here I am, yet again, in prison, writing you a letter, might as well just call myself a prisoner. Um, maybe, you know, just I'm just a prisoner for Jesus. That's how I'm going to live my life. And, um, and maybe that's just a bit of an in-joke. But maybe, and I think there's more to this, maybe it's taken on a new meaning for him. Maybe it's actually starting to become something of how he understands his um, journey, his walk, his relationship with Jesus. In our, in our kind of modern day democratic culture, um, to be captive means that we can't, we can't do what we want to do. But in Paul's thinking, freedom is actually a question of authority and whose authority we place ourselves under. I want us just to have a look briefly at um, a short passage in Romans 6. In Romans 6, um, verse 20 and 22, we read Paul talking about this and he says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. That's verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. So he's sort of setting up these two authorities. You know, one is sin and the other one is God and righteousness. And he's saying when you were under this authority, you weren't under this authority. And then he says in verse 22, but now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. So he's saying you've moved from this authority to that authority. You've found a new master. You've moved out of the dominion of, of darkness and into the dominion or the kingdom of light. And Paul's, what Paul's saying here is that true freedom is found in captivity to Jesus Christ. That's another way of putting it. Freedom from God over here means slavery to sin. But slavery to God, if I can put that in inverted commas, means freedom from sin. Okay, I want you to have to think about that. Now, in that passage, Paul makes it very clear. He's saying, I'm just using a modern day, in his mind, a modern day example just to help you. He's not actually saying that we are slaves. But what he's trying to explain here is that you can't have two masters. If you, are a master, if you have a master here, then this is not your master. But if your master is Christ, then you no longer have sin as your master. And, uh, you know, Paul challenges us on this modern concept that we have today, that we are our own masters. That somehow we can move out from the mastery of sin and just be our own masters. But in 1 Corinthians, he says this, 1 Corinthians 6, he says... Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. You see, freedom comes from an understanding that I do not have authority over my own body, but instead I yield it to Christ. 
So I still have, I still have to choose. It's not like we don't have a choice. But I choose, if I choose to yield it to Christ, that's how freedom works. That's how freedom comes into my life. Because, you know, although God doesn't want us, um, he doesn't want us to live in bondage. Elsewhere, Paul says, you are no longer slaves. So God isn't looking to uh, take away our choices. He's not looking to um, make us live in bondage. We are free to live however we want. But what we want has a way of enslaving us, doesn't it? What I want has a way of chaining me, has a way of, you know, binding me up in slavery again. Because it's not a question of rules. It's a question of a ruler. And the question really is, who's our ruler? Is it a cruel master, sin, who promises everything but doesn't deliver? Or is it a good, faithful and loving master who now calls us friend? To live truly, we must take every part of our lives, of our bodies, and put it under the authority of Christ. Put them under, put ourselves under the authority of Christ and under the control and the direction of the Holy Spirit. That's where true freedom is to be found. And if Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean for us? I don't know about you, but I say that so easily. Jesus is Lord. He's my Lord and Saviour. Lord Jesus, I pray. How many times do I pray that? Lord Jesus, and, and I just don't think about it. Recently, I've decided to say Master. Because it just reminds me. You could say President if you want. Prime Minister. Or you could say... Um, and it's something else that kind of, kind of keeps this idea of alive in our hearts and in our heads... That to be for Jesus to be Lord means that we aren't. <laughs> but there's some good, there's some wonderful news in this, you see, because two things. One, if Jesus is Lord, it means that He has the strength to release us from our old masters. In the Gospels, in Matthew 12, Jesus says this: How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions? Unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. And it's sometimes a bit of a perplexing thing for Jesus to say. But one of the th beautiful things that he's saying there is that you, you, you've got to deal with the old master in order for freedom to come. And I can do that. Jesus is effectively saying, I can do that. I can tie up the strong man because God through Christ, Christ has the authority. He wouldn't be much of a master. He wouldn't be much of a new Lord if he didn't have the authority to deal with the old one. If the old masters keep coming back and saying, no, you're mine, then what kind of Lord would he be? But he's, he has the authority. And these old masters that we have, they don't have any. And whatever that might be for you, you know, that might be work, Often they're good things that God has given us, but they have become our masters. It might be money. 
It might be certain relationships or it might look like spiritual oppression, um, you know, disturbing thoughts or, or lustful thoughts. They have maybe become the things that actually, if we're really honest with ourselves, we feel trapped and imprisoned by. And we wish that they would stop. We wish that something and someone would come and would free us from them. You see, I've, I've seen people released from sickness, from oppression, from destructive habits in their lives, lifestyles. And sometimes these people, they, they walk straight out of their cells, if you like. But other times it takes a long process of healing and restoration for them to live in that freedom. But whatever that journey looks like, Jesus always sets people free because he is Lord. He is Lord and he is the ultimate authority. So there's no question about whether he brings freedom and whether he has set us free and whether he is the new Lord or not. The challenge is the walking out of that journey and taking hold of that reality. And that's really what we're talking about this morning. If we, and I, you know, I think, us, I think we should have a think about this, whether we take on this similar kind of phrase that Paul uses, fellow prisoners with Christ. If we are captivated by Jesus, if we are no longer our own, but we belong to him because he's bought us at a price, then what does that mean for us? What is it, how does it change what we do with our bodies, with our possessions, with our work? Can I say, I know some of you have worked every day this week, um, every day, every, you know, all seven days. And it's something that you, you don't like, but you don't feel like you have a choice. And I, I want to encourage you and, and challenge you as well, because God says that's not actually your time it's mine and you need to honor God with it and trust him with it and um, you know he will come through for us when we do that because he's our master he looks after us and makes sure that we have everything we need and if we're fellow prisoners of Christ then it actually changes also the way that we relate to each other you know no one prisoner is more important than the other. We're all in this at the same level together. I'm not more important in this church than you are because we are fellow prisoners. We are fellow subjects. We are servants together in the kingdom of God. And so we, the way we relate to each other, the only one who is raised up is the master himself. In this passage, I think one of the things that really I love is just the way that Paul responds right at the end, he says to the magistrates, hold on a second, you just beaten us, stripped us, thrown us in prison, and now you want to get rid of us quietly? I don't think so, you know? And, and so they come and they're like, I'm really sorry, and, and they take him out of the prison, they walk him out, make sure he leaves before causing him any more trouble. And there is an, almost a slight indignant towards other authorities, which makes me kind of uncomfortable, um, but I'm, at the same time, I'm reminded Paul knew who his master was and who his master wasn't. Now, he's respectful 
to the kings and the Caesars that he talks to. He's very respectful and he recognizes their authority, but he never puts himself in a kind of, you know, under that authority because he knows who his master is. So as we finish, I want to just give you a couple of things to kind of, you know, ways to respond as we're, wherever you are, whether you're in your home gathering, maybe you're on your own, or maybe just with a friend who's nearby as you're watching this. A couple of things. Firstly, for some of you, like I said at the beginning, you know that you need to worship. You need to see God break through. Um, and I'm reminded that Paul and Silas, they were probably singing the Psalms, Jewish worship They're singing psalms, and this psalm here, Psalm 71, may well have been one of the ones they sang. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Sitting there in the cells with the bars, the darkness, maybe in a pit in the ground, and they're turning to the Lord and saying, come, Lord, rescue me. Deliver me. Be my strength. Turn your ear. Save me, Lord. And I just want to encourage you you this evening. You may just take some time just to, in your own way or however that might work, worship. And take that worship into the week ahead. um, As you stand and you declare God's goodness and God's kingdom reality into your life and into this place, into this world. Um, I also just want to give you, I'd really love to encourage us to spend some time in ministry together. And you may um, just ask somebody who's with you just to pray for you. Uh, If particularly you know that there are, like we all do, have kind of like these masters, if you like, these old masters that we need to step out from under and to actually say, you know, to declare the authority of Christ over our, um, every part of our body and our mind and our soul. And you, you, you might just want to share, um, if you feel comfortable, kind of if there's a particular wrestle. Maybe it's in your thought life or just in how you're living at the moment in some of those lifestyle choices. That you just want to ask somebody to say, will you stand with me? And we'll bless and we'll just ask the Holy Spirit to come and to take control, to direct. And what he loves to do is bring the authority of Christ into our lives. So we can ask him to do that. And you know, one of the wonderful things as we do that, we experience the joy and the peace that Paul and Silas experienced, even in the midst of their prison. So it doesn't. It doesn't really matter what happens around us. The Holy Spirit comes and um, sets us free in that. So let me just pray for us as we finish up. Father, we thank you that you are our master because you are a good, loving father. Lord, we know that when we try and be our own lords, that we get into real trouble. We get caught up and bound up. So Lord, we ask humbly that you would be Lord and Saviour. That you would would help us live into greater and greater freedom.